Welcome to the next episode of Building Optimal Radio. I'm Jared Gossett, your host. Today we are interviewing a gentleman named Paul Sandeman, and we're going to be talking to Paul about a very interesting topic, how to win business from architects. Admittedly, it's an area that I have not focused on very much throughout my career, although one I've been interested in so selfishly, I was very excited to talk to Paul about this. And I always love talking to guests and people about unique perspectives, and Paul definitely shares a unique perspective on a few things, as you'll see. We get into talking about who's your client, and I won't spoil it, but that was an interesting observation from Paul and one that's at least worth noting. Paul is a business coach who has a specialty with small home builders and general contractors, so very knowledgeable in our area, a great person for us to be talking to and leading this conversation on today's topic. He has founded and sold several companies and now focuses on his business coaching, Dream Business Coaching. You can find him at dreambusinesscoaching.com. One final note, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Building Optimal. Enjoy the episode. So, Paul, there are a lot of avenues that we can use to market. There are signs, social media, client referrals, realtor relationships, and then, of course, architects. From your experience, what's the benefit of focusing on those architect relationships as a primary marketing strategy? Well, Jared, I can safely say I think I've tried everything and I probably used a million dollars of other people's money figuring out what doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I, I, example, I worked with an architect and when, that's when social media first started like five or six years ago. So we decided it was a way to sell his services. So we did all this stuff for Facebook and Twitter and we got a huge number. I think it was 10,000 followers on Facebook and four or five or 10,000 followers on uh, Twitter. And at the end of the year, we looked at the numbers and the good stuff was it, he did get relatively famous among other architects. So he got on the board of the AIA in the city where he lived, which was nice. And he did find a girlfriend, which he eventually ended up you know, moving in with. So those are the good. But we looked at the results and we looked at where his business came from that year. Basically, 90% of his business came from three contractors and two real estate people. Almost zero from social media. There's another story, which sort of a success story. I've got a guy work within down in uh, Florida, and like most contractors, he's a marketing guy, and he only did like ten million, but he was spending two hundred thousand a year on marketing, which is outrageous for a contractor. And he did radio and TV, and you know, you name it, he did it. He became in the town where he is a you know like a legend. Took him a lot of time to do it, and he did okay. And he used house and a lot of other things, and it worked for him. But in general, I would say the only thing I really support, house works pretty well if you're on the first page and you can get there organically. The way you get there is you have a lot of pictures and have a lot of reviews. If you want to know how to get first, look who's, who, look who's top on the list with not paying. On the right-hand side, it says sponsored. So who's the top organically? And generally, you have to have two or 300 pictures. doesn't really matter what they're of, but you're only as good as your, you know, your least attractive picture. And... He also had, you knew, like 40, 50 reviews. Reviews are easy to get. You just call people on the phone. Don't try email. It doesn't work. So house works okay. The rest of the stuff, I'm not a big fan. That's why I went with architects. As I said, I've been doing this for 30 years. 
And we did, you know, articles in magazines and we've, you know, done full page ads and designer th- and none of it really produced any business. So that's why I settled on the architect thing, because I know the architect thing works. I've done it with hundreds of contractors the last years. And it's the only thing I know that absolutely produces results for the time spent. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, with house, we've probably not utilized it as much as we should. One question from what you said there. So you need 40 or 50 reviews. For those of us who don't have 40 or 50 clients under our belt, which will be a decent amount of our listeners, can you utilize like subcontractor referrals? I'll give you the the quick way to do house, okay? In fact, you could give me review in 10 minutes. I won't have you do it now, Jared, but you could do it. Like I would have you go to the house website, right? If you're looking me up on house, I have, let's see right now, I have what, 50 reviews? 51 reviews. So the way you do this, is you go to the person, you get them on the phone. Emails do not work. The problem with an email is every time you send them an email, they feel worse because they should have done it, but they didn't do it and they feel bad. So it actually damages the relationship over time with a client. So I don't suggest that. So you call them on the phone, you have them go review me and you walk them through the review on real time on the phone. It takes about four minutes and that's how you get all reviews. And I suggest if you want to know how to get number one on your list, you go to house, you see who's, got, who's at the top, how many reviews they have, and how many pictures they've got, and you've got to beat that. And that will get you to the top of the list. Also, Jared, if you look at, they don't have to be a past client. They could be your brother-in-law. Anybody who's willing to say something nice about you, you can put under reviews. A lot of subcontractors, general contractors, architects, engineers, because when the bot comes by, it only counts numbers. It doesn't have any idea who reviewed you, right? So my suggestion for that, if you want to get high in that social media, is you get you know as many reviews as you can. It may take you a week and a lot of phone calls, but it's worth it. That makes sense. Let me ask a little bit of like a follow-up question regarding house. I've seen a webinar that you've hosted where you talk about house as a good platform for capturing architect referrals. That's really obviously the focus of our discussion today. Is that still one of your favored avenues? So Jared is a marketing guy. The most important thing in any marketing program is the list, right? Where do you, and I don't care if you're going to email the list, you're going to call the list, where you got to have a list, right? Right. And so that's the most important part. Now, until house came along, finding a list of all the contractors in any market or architects was hard to do, right? So just as an aside here, I'm going to go right now in real time And where are you located? I'm in Austin, Texas. Okay, okay, Austin. I put in Austin. So I go to to house, I put in Austin, and after I go to house, then what you do is you go to find a professional, and then you go to architects and designers, right? And then you put in Austin, right? And they've spent millions, so you don't have to, as I look at it. There is 1,736 architects and building designers in Austin. Here's my list. Boom, didn't cost me a nickel. What happens is house actually have bots that go out and search all the licenses. So if you're a licensed architect or designer in Austin, you will be on their list whether you know it or not. So this is the primo list, right? So now I've got this list and I got, it's like match.com. I go, well, what architects are worth dating, right? And I say, this is my tip for you today. This is a little bit chauvinistic, but if you want to marry a rich woman, what do you have to do, Jared? I don't know. Let's hear it. You have to date rich women. All right. All right. 
So, you know, if you want to marry a rich guy, you got to date rich guys. And they're, they're found at, you know, they're not found at the laundromat, they're found at the country club. So you, in marketing, you say, okay, where do I find the country club for architects, right? And it's here. So you go down and you look at here and I go, Cornerstone Architects. If I look at Cornerstone Architects, all I have to do is click on their house page and it tell me the kind of work they do, what they do. And it's like match.com. Do I want to date this person? And then I can look at the side. Then I go to their website. I look at their website and I go, let me see. Who are these guys? And I can look at the kind of things they build and see if it's a good match or not. I can look at about and I go to the team. And here we have, there's one, two, three. There's six architects in here. Well, I wouldn't start there because you don't want to start with supermodels. You know, you want to start with somebody that will actually go out with you. So <laughs> you start with, you know, firms that have two or three people in them. And you call them up. Now, now we got the list, right, Jared? We got the list. We didn't have to even pay for the list. There it is. House provided it for us. So we go through house, and we pick out the ones that we want to have something to do with, right? And then when we get there, we um, say, okay, let's look at Rue Architects. So once you get that, then you have to get the appointment, right? And the way you get the appointment, it's better if you have bait than you don't. So if you're calling an architect, the key is architects do not want to talk to another contractor. They already have a girlfriend and it's not you. <laughs> so they're not really interested. So if you call them up and say, hey, you know, in this case, it's James LaRue. I'd really like to meet you. I'm a desperate contractor that needs work. <laughs> that doesn't go over that well. No, it's not a big hit, right? But if you say, hey, James LaRue, I, I'm looking for an architect for ABC job. I saw you on house. I looked at your website. I was impressed. I'd like to talk to you about it. It's Tuesday or Thursday better. Probably get an appointment, right? Yeah. If you don't have a job, a job is better. It's always better fishing with bait than without it. But if you don't have a job, you can just say, hey, I'm looking for an architect to work with. You know, I get work that I don't have an architect for, and I would like to talk to you about it. But it's key, you've got to be buying, you can't be selling. Because all the people you already call will have all the contractors they need. So if you're a general contractor, subcontractors, if they do this, all they have to do is call contractors and set it. This works, it works the same for contractors. You go to Palace, you find contractors, and if you're subcontractor, you call them the same way. But as a contractor, they are looking for people that can send them work. About I've worked with a lot of architects. A third of their work comes from referrals in general. A third of their work comes from past clients. A third of their work comes from contractors. So if they see you as a source of work, they will meet with you. So now if you call three architects, you will probably get a meeting. Okay, now you have the meeting. The key to this meeting, Jared, is you have to be buying. You can't be selling. The minute you start selling anything, you're done. They've already got a bunch of contractors. They don't need you. So you totally stay out of sales. I had a guy one time went with his dad, and he was really good. But his dad, the minute the architect said, tell me a little about your company, went into, we do quality work. We do a great job. Here's some great pictures. We do it on time and on budget. And the architect hears blah, 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 doesn't care. So do not sell. It's the quickest way to get them to forget you. So once you go in there and you have the meeting, now you're interviewing them right. They're not interviewing you. And I got some questions you asked them. You know, why did you become an architect? Most architects have big, big egos. They'll pontificate for a long time about how great they are. They start with Legos, blah, blah, blah. Second important question, does dream drive the design or does the budget drive the design? Architects tend to design things people can't afford and they throw the contractor under the bus trying to bring down the budget. We've all been there. 
So if the dream drives the design, it's a bad thing. If the budget drives the design, that's good. And then they can design for so much a foot or whatever. How do they structure their fees? What do they do for free as a currency consultation? Some people will, you know, give you a, a napkin sketch. Some people won't leave their office without a retainer. And then can I subcontract the drawings to you? The reason that's important is the next question. Okay, this is probably the most important question you can ask, Jared. I give you a job, Mr. Architect. What do you do when the clients say they want another bid? And there's a silence, right? The only good answer is, Jared, if you don't build it, I won't draw it. Everything else is a non-qualifier. Because a lot of architects learn somewhere in architectural school, they have a moral obligation to bid it out to three people, no matter what. You've probably been there, right? Yeah, we try to avoid the multi-bid game. So if you do that, you're dead. So if they say, well, nah, they're done. That's a, a digital question. If they're in or they're out. If they in any way have any shot, they won't say loyal to you, you're done. And then find out what the contractor involvement in the design process is, what contractors you work with, what do you like or dislike about them. And at the end of this meeting, Jared, you're going to make a decision. Either they're in or they're out. So if they're in, the only thing that's important is the next meeting. Usually you look at their work, they look at your work, whatever. If they're out, you say, thank you very much, you never talk to them again. I've found that one out of three architects actually qualify. So if you visit three architects, you might find one that you want to work with. And it's going to take on an average of six meetings with that architect before they'll give you a shot at work. Now, you know one thing that contractors are really bad at, Jared? Delayed reinforcement or delayed gratification. <laughs> you're just showing up and there's a house or you lay a you don't wait like a software company two years for something to happen. So the construction industry is full of contractors that really don't like delayed gratification. So it works against them here because you'll go to the first meeting, maybe make the second or the third and nothing will happen. And then guess what? You'll what, Jared? We're done. We're done. On to the next thing. Yeah. Right. If you aren't willing to make five meetings with this person, don't bother. Okay. Now, what are these other meetings about? Maybe you're getting to that right now. Well, that's where you got creative. <laughs> you know, could be fishing. The typical first meeting is, great, let me see some of your work. That's the second meeting. The third meeting is, let me look at, you can look at some of my work. The fourth meeting may be lunch. You got to keep it going. I've had guys that I've worked with that have met with a contractor. I had a guy last week. And he had met with this guy, he's very persistent, once every couple of months, bottom lunch for a year and a half, nothing. Finally, after a year and a half, he gives us this million dollar job. That's how long it takes. So what I tell the contractor, I tell the architect is, look at Mr. Architect, you know, I'm not gonna give you work and you're not gonna give me work unless we know each other better. And I'm willing to take responsibility for that. So what I'm willing to do is I'll, I'll make sure we stay in touch with each other till we trust each other enough to give each other work. Is that okay with you? That's the truth, right? And then you just persist. But if you're not willing to persist, don't bother. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and uh, you know, from my perspective, that relationship building during those first five meetings is really going to be critical. That's something we talked about actually on an interview we just did last week with a guy named David Wright, who's a Dale Carnegie expert. And I think what you're talking about and hitting on today with the relationship building over those first five meetings, I think that is super critical. And then, the you know, what 
can you do for them rather than going in in a selling position, going in in a buying position. Those are such critical components to proper salesmanship. You know, people care about what you can do for them more so than what right. they can do for you. Well, I've heard you, I'm sure you know the three most important thing about sales, right? I've probably learned it and forgot it. <laughs> the first one is relationship, right? Guess what the second one is? Relationship again. Guess what the third one is? <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild guess, but okay, I'm glad I got it. <laughs> relationship, right? Yeah. That's it. If they like you, they send you business. If they don't, they won't. If you don't like them and they don't like you, the most important things in any construction business or any business in general aren't on the balance sheet. It's trust, integrity. How do you put that on a balance sheet, right? Does the guy trust me? But that's the most important part. So you got to get to trust each other. Then they'll give you work because they don't need you. They've already got somebody who's a fine job and it's not you. Yeah. <laughs> so now when you get in, this is the hard part. You're going to have to buy your first job. Because the only reason they're going to use you is because you're cheaper than the guy they already like. So when you bid work, generally, it depends on where you're in the country, but you know, usually profit and overhead are give around 15%. You can throw in supervision for you know, eight or 9,000 a month. Most of my guys I work with do between two and 20 million and their average job is like a half million, million and a half. So you can mess with those numbers. Everybody bids according to CSI codes because that's just the way the architects can compare each other. So, and when architects look at you, they're going to look at your website, look at your house page and determine in the first, you know, 30 seconds, whether they're worth knowing or not. Okay. Now, when you go and you buy your first job with an architect, my individual approach for better or worse would be to say, hey, listen, our normal fee and pricing structure is this, but I want the opportunity to work together on a project and get that track record together. So I'm willing to discount X, Y, or Z on this just so that I set that expectation with them so that on the second job, when I come back and I'm more expensive, they're not saying, well, you were this price in the first job. Why are you going up now? Is that a good strategy or what do you recommend? Have you ever heard of the term TMI? Too much information? I have a few times. Right. That qualifies as TMI. Okay. Well, now, why is that? Just so that I can understand. Because, you know, if, if you're going to buy your first job, I want somebody who's generally going to be cheaper most of the time. At least I'm hoping that, right? Now, when you bid your first job, I'm pretty much 100% of the jobs go overtime and over budget, right? And the way construction works is, this is sort of sad, but it's true, that whoever is the most optimistic, I don't want to say lie, whoever's the most optimistic bids what's on the plans, bids to code, and doesn't bid anything that's not on the plans, and doesn't tell them what it's really going to cost, tell them what they want to hear because it, it's what's on the plans, who's a qualified contractor will get the job. And then you got what if it cost, what it costs. Your ability to get them from what they thought it cost to what it does cost is called managing your client expectations. If you're really good at it, everybody's happy. If you're really bad at it, you get sued. Okay, that makes sense. One of the biggest risks is, or one of the risks that can be best managed is managing those client expectations. So I'm always curious how people go about doing that. I have a, a real quick rule for that, right? Jared, here's what you do. You become the voice of reason. So let's say you put in a, an inexpensive Pell and knockoff window, right? And they want the most expensive one they make or some brand name with some incredibly expensive window. You argue against it. You go, no, no, no. If it was my house, I wouldn't put it in. I think it's a waste of money. And you always argue for the least expensive thing that they can do. And then they have to, you know, pound you in the ground in order to get up the price. 
But then when they finally buy the expensive window, it's never your fault, right? Right. Okay. If you suggest the big window, they're going to blame you for going to budget. I second that opinion. That's something that we do now. But uh, I think I learned that lesson the hard way over the first few years in the business. Innocently, but still. <laughs> All right, we've covered about kind of how to go get those architect relationships. We've talked about deepening those relationships. This is a hot topic and one I want to hit on. So now we're working. We've got our first job. We bought that first job or one way or another, we now are working with an architect. You know, there's so many just inherent conflicts or there can be, and, and you've kind of hit on this with that original meeting, but I want to go back to it. So there are these inherent conflicts of interest between builders or in architects or can be the architect is vision driven, or at least that's what people say. And then the contractor's budget driven. And, you know, really both positions should be reflected in the project. So I think there can be kind of a healthy dynamic there. But what do we do to manage those possible conflicts and make sure this hard-earned new architect relationship is preserved? So let me ask a question, Jared. Who is the client, really? The client is the architect. Because you're going to build one job for that client and you're done, right? Doing the average I work with. I would say the average architect worth a million a year for 10 years. So that's a $10 million relationship, right? So your client is the architect. It's not the person who's writing the checks. Interesting. Some lateral thinking. I mean, I've had architects literally tell the client to lie. Say, I mean, somebody, the contractor say, look at, I know I screwed up, but tell the client you did because I don't want to take the heat. True story, right? Yeah. And I, I deal with probably, on an, I've got 35 contractors doing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth a year. You know, the biggest project I started, we worked on was like the, the guy paid $100 million for the apartment down to somebody doing a bathroom, right? So most way I deal with is I can't believe the architect did blah, 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 whatever it is. He forgot this, he did this, and it's going to cost the client another hundred grand. What do I do now? And I said, somehow you got to make the architect look good, however you do it. And it's tough. Because, you know, a lot of times it's not on the drawing, right? Or it's just not there and, you know, you need to put it in or whatever. And it happens all the time. And you've got to figure out some way to maintain those relationships. So it's a flawed system, but your long-term client's the architect. And, you know, side with the architect and figure the client, look at it, which, you know, there was changes in the scope. They rained on Tuesday, whatever. <laughs> And therefore, we need to do X instead of Y, or we did the soils test wasn't complete. So therefore, we got to put in more foundation or pick one, right? It happens all the time. But your ability to mediate between the client, could be the husband and the wife and the architect and you and the designer, will keep you in business. Now, we've got some listeners who have design build firms. So this episode isn't necessarily directed at them, Not but true. I'm curious. I, I have very successful design build firms that get a lot from architects. Really? Okay. That was my next question. How do you break down the pros and cons the of... You, the way you frame this first is that the typical thing is the design build firm, I call them kitchen and bath guys. The probably job is between 100 and 300,000, right? Give or take, right? Okay. If you want big work back to, you know, dating at the country club, if it, you're going to spend 2 million on a house or a million on a house, you're tending to go to an architect first. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So... What is a design build guy, you come in and you tell the architect, look at when I get bigger projects, I'm looking for an architect and I want bigger projects and you know, you're wonderful and I'm, I'll design the kitchen and bath, but I'm not going to design the whole house. 
So you turn it into an asset. So I have literally some of my success, most successful clients in getting business from architecture design build firms. And we've gone from like the typical guy I work with, I'll get from 2 million to 10 million. I've done that like 50 times. And I usually do it. The guys start with doing kitchens and baths, average jobs, 100, 200,000. And he wants to do it, you know, 10 million and do the average job is a million. Well, how do you get up there? Well, you get it from architects. You go visit them. And then when they send you a job, if you like, them, they'll do that. And you do a great job. Then you get your first million dollar job, right? The first million dollar job is always the hardest. And after that, and I've helped a lot of people through that progression. So design build is fine. You just have to use it as an asset instead of liability. But one thing you might want to do is I have an architect's button. I suggest people put on their websites, even if you're a design build firm. And it basically says, we love architects and designers. We work together. We love to give them work, blah, 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 blah. And that way they feel you're architecturally friendly. So put an architect and designer button on your website. Great advice. I really like that idea. We're running a little short on time here, Paul, but I want to just make sure the listeners can connect with you because I think you're obviously a wealth of knowledge on this. And this is something that is probably a little bit of an ancillary type marketing strategy that obviously, as you've called out today, really should be kind of that primary strategy. I mean, I can give you an example. I work currently with give or take 35 contractors between 2 million and probably 50 million. And without a doubt, everybody that I work with whose average job is over a million gets 90% of their work from architects. That's the Pareto's principle in action right there, right. Working, working smart. And I, I've done this for 30 years, right? So I've got my experience. And if you want to stay, you know, a small kitchen and bath guy, this is a bad idea because this will get you out of that market. If you want to move up market and you want your average job to go up to a half million, million, that's what you do. Now, what I can suggest is... If you go to my website, which is dreambusinesscoaching.com, like dreaming at night, I have a book out called Contact Your Success Tips you can download for free or you know, get off Amazon. I've got free videos you can watch, that all my stuff on how to be a success in business. And if you go to free stuff, there's a thing called Architect Seminar, right? And if you do that, everything that I've mentioned, it lays it out step by step, exactly everything I've said. So go to the bottom of the page, it says free stuff. It says how to get work from architects webinar. It's everything I've told you plus, and it's free. They can just watch anytime they want. Well, I'll vouch for you on that. I watched it myself and learned a lot. So definitely a great resource on what's clearly a very, very important strategy for our marketing. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on the show again at some point. And if your listeners ever want to call me, my number's on the website. I'm happy to talk to people. It doesn't cost them anything, so feel free. Okay, we'll link to all that in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. Great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.